Hello, and welcome to our podcast. We are New Horizons Christian Fellowship from Starkville, Mississippi. We are about kingdom family, reaching up to the Father, reaching in to each other, and reaching out to the world. We hope you will be strengthened and encouraged by the message. Every now and then, uh, Hollywood accidentally spews a little truth <clears throat> without ever knowing it. I'm not the world's biggest Will Ferrell fan, but he's done a couple of movies that make me laugh. One of those is Talladega Nights, The Legend of Ricky Bobby. You've seen it, I take it. And Ricky Bobby is gathered around the dinner table with his family. And he wants to pray to the little baby Jesus. Because he prefers to pray to the little baby Jesus. And he doesn't really go into the depths of why he prefers to pray to the little baby Jesus. But we know why, don't we? You see, the little baby Jesus is a romantic figure that has adorned Christmas cards and ornaments and uh, retail store signs for many, many, many years. And it's harmless. Doesn't look too much like a lord. Doesn't look like somebody who can make any demands on me. Doesn't look like anybody that had anything to do with the foundation and the creation of the world that we live in. He's sweet. He's, he's, he seems harmless. It's, 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 it's amazing and it's pretty and, and, it, and, it, and it sometimes feels a little sappy. And, and there's a part of me that dwells under the sign of St. Ebenezer the Scrooge. And I cry out, yea, verily, humbug. Because the people that I run into day after day this time of year are interested in little baby Jesus. They can adore him because he doesn't put any demands. He doesn't show power. He doesn't look too much like a god. Worshiping, you know, we really don't see that much we have the adoration of the shepherds and the wise men. We don't say worship because he's a little baby Jesus. And there he is in the manger. And we know the story. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. That's a nice Bible way to say she was pregnant. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them inside the inn. And it goes on, and 
What a story. I mean, really, if you, even if you didn't believe it, what a story. It's got everything. We've got angels talking to, to, to a virgin and, 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 and a fiancé who can't handle it and has to get a visit from an angel himself, like any probably normal man would. And we've got, we've, got the, we've got the drama of, of being required by law to make that journey in the, in the end of the third trimester. This is no time to be traveling by donkey across three provinces of Palestine. And then no room in the inn, so we end up in a, in a stable with a manger. And then angels appear to, to shepherds, the outcasts of Israel. Shepherds were, the shepherds were often referred to in those days as the Amharats, which was a term that they used to describe the, the Samaritans, uh, who were mongrels. They were, they were a product of intermarriage from the northern kingdom between Israelites and, and Gentiles. And they were looked down upon, and the shepherds were looked down upon with equal contempt um, because their, their work kept them not kosher most of the time. And their work kept them from keeping the feasts and the holy days like everyone else could. And, and they were just the last people on earth that you would expect angels to appear and announce that the long-awaited Messiah had been born. And, and, and then magi from the, from the east, possibly from Persia, they see a star. They, what's, what's that all about? I mean, these are guys, these are not exactly, you know, high priests uh, follow the Ten Commandments. These, these are mystics from over in Babylon direction. And, and God called them with a heavenly sign. And they were able to understand it. My personal theory, not my personal theory, I've seen it from other people too, is that they were still, that they were the, under the influence of one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament who used to live among them. His name's Daniel. And he wrote about a Messiah and something big coming. And that gave them, I think, the foundation on which to draw the conclusion. And they followed the star for a while anyway. And, 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 and that became, now, now we get tragedy in the middle of all of this drama. When instead of just staying with the star, they used their oversized brains to figure out, well, the king must be in Jerusalem. So they go to Jerusalem and they talked to a fourth king named Herod. And we know how that turned out. Herod, in, in his desperation to hold on to his power, ordered the murder of every male under two years old in Bethlehem. Meanwhile, the holy family is escaping to Egypt. So... It's full of all the stuff that will attract the attention of, 
of even movie makers, and certainly the folks at Hallmark. It, 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 it's got it all. It's got everything. And we, but we've seen it. We've seen it a lot. And as I consider the shallowness of people this time of year who give their annual nod in the direction of a guy named Jesus, I can, I, I, I can get kind of not nice. I can get cynical. And I, I, shoot, I could make Ebenezer Scrooge look like a Christmas caroler. The, the, the first Ebenezer Scrooge, the pre-reformed Ebenezer Scrooge. And if I let it get in me, and I do every year, at least for a while, I let it get in me. And, it, and it, it, I think what happens is, is it causes pain in my heart. And, and in my response, what I have done is I allow a callus to build up. You know, anybody who's ever tried to play guitar knows of the blessing of calluses. When you first start to play the guitar, it hurts so bad. Because you're pressing wire with your fingertips. You're pressing wires real hard. And your fingers get so sore. And, and, and there's, there's no rock song that talks about playing till the fingers bled. I did that. <laughs> I really did. I was so mad. And I tried to play with Band-Aids on. That, was, that didn't work. I see now they sell little fingertips you can buy and put on there. How you learn without being able to feel the strings. Anyway, the callus, a callus can be good. But you know what? Then you can't feel the finer things either. So that callus builds up on my heart. And the harder it gets the more jaded I become. And finally, I'm just pretty cynical. And I just to, just to double check, I, just to make sure, I took a look in the 21st chapter of Revelation at the description of the holy city, the heavenly city, that's, that descends out of heaven to, to the new earth, and, and the description of it. He describes 12 gems, 13 counting the pearly gates, describes... He, d- he describes 12 gems that, that it was made out of, and jade isn't in the list. I'm not very heavenly when I'm jaded. That's dumb, but you'll remember it. And the heart of stone that uh, Ezekiel talks about can only be replaced with a heart of flesh from the one who created hearts. And I've, most of you know that, that, that Julie's family has moved in and we're under one roof now. And, uh, and everybody should have a two-year-old in his house for Christmas, bar none, you should. 
because everything is wonderful. Everything's amazing. He was acting out, but acting up um, yesterday. And, and creative Julie put him in the stroller and went out for two hours and walked around the neighborhood and looked at Christmas lights. Now, we don't even have any fantastic displays at our, in our neighborhood. But he was like, wah, because it's bright and it's colorful and it's pretty and it's different. And, and, it's, and, and, and it speaks to his young little childish heart. Childish in a good way. It's no wonder Jesus told us to become like children to come to him. Wide-eyed with wonder. But if we're only focused on the story, or if, like me, you get so disgusted with humans that you let it get to you and steal your joy, well, it'll also steal your wonder. And... I had to be awakened by the delightful laughter of a grandchild at just how wonderful it is. John's Christmas narrative, I read from Luke, John's Christmas narrative is different. You didn't know this Christmas story was in John, did you? It is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things that came into being through him and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And the Word became flesh the word became flesh and dwelt among us we saw his glory glory as of the only begotten from the father full of grace and truth that's John's Christmas narrative we, because, because theological people like theological words, we have a word for that. You know the word. It's incarnation. In, we know what in means. Carne. Anybody that studied Spanish knows what carne is. It's flesh. It's the in the flesh stuff. That's what incarnation means. Stop it. <laughs> the incarnation. The Christmas story tells about a baby in a manger, but that's not the story. The story is this planet, as far as we know, this tiny spot on the edge of the Milky Way galaxy. Has been visited. By none other than God himself.
we have been visited. He dwelt among us. And it changed everything. It connected us with God in a whole new way. A few years ago, song, What If God Were One of Us? I got news for you, chickie. He did that. <laughs> this all-powerful being who thought of an idea of a creation, spoke the words, and it became in seven days. Power beyond our imagination. Authority beyond all authority. A throne above all thrones, a name above all names. The creator without whom nothing would exist. That's who was in the manger. I think it was C.S. Lewis pointed out that, that, this, that the stable was bigger on the inside than it was on the outside because all of eternity was in there. It makes me almost speechless. If I were speechless, I'd just have to sit down. Almost. But almost. It's indescribable as hard as I try. That the word became flesh. John, who wrote that, describes himself throughout the gospel as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He is in the inner circle. He saw things. He saw things the others didn't see. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was next to him at the Last Supper, leaning up against him. He had something special that we'll never understand, maybe till we can sit down and chat with him one day. And, and in Revelation, in the first chapter of Revelation, that same John is on the island of Patmos. He's been exiled because of his ministry and his faith and his testimony and his refusal to bow the knee to Roman government when it comes to worship. He says, I'm the one. It's me, you know. He says that he heard a voice. He said, I'm going to dictate seven letters to you to write to seven churches of Asia. And he says, I turned to see who was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man clothed in a robe, reaching to his feet, girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair shone like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it, it has been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came the sharp two-edged sword, and his face 
face was like the sun shining in its strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. This beloved who leaned against him on the most awful night of nights. was truly awestruck at the vision of the resurrected Christ in his glory. We emphasize our intimate relationship with him and our friendship with him. And indeed, that needs to be, that needs to be emphasized. Jesus, for too many Christians, for too many centuries, has been some distant entity. And that's not what he is. But there's this disease that Christians have, and it's called familiarity breeds contempt. It's as old as old sayings books. And if we allow it, and it's easy to do, our familiarity with the man of Galilee will leave us contemptuous of the risen Lord. Be warned. So, never forget when Paul said, I want your attitude to be just like Jesus, who, being found equal with God, did not consider equality with God something to be clung to but rather he emptied himself and took on the form of a man. <laughs> but not just a man, a servant. But not just a servant, a condemned criminal. Unto death, not just death, death on a cross. The Old Testament says, cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. Equality with God. Man, servant, death, cross to the very depths of creation. Carrying the burden of our sin to be thrown into the fires of hell once and for all. Therefore, God has lifted him up and given him the name that is above every other name. That at the very sound of Jesus, every knee will bow, heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That's little baby Jesus in the manger. And that's the wonder. I wonder.
almost 100 years ago now, John Jacob Niles collected hymns and songs in Appalachia. And he worked with a scrap, really, of song. And there's a couple of different stories. They're, they're both really cool. They're, they're, they're hallmark worthy. But I'm not sure which one's the right one. But you know the song. I wonder as I wander out under the sky how Jesus the Savior did come for to die for poor sinners like you and like I. I wonder as I wander out under the sky. When Mary birthed Jesus, t'was in a cow stall, with wise men and farmers and shepherds and all. But high from God's heaven, a star's light did fall. And the promise of ages it then did recall. I wonder. How's how's your how's your Jado meter today? Are you are you worn out from the junk? Has 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 the enemy been? rubbing a blister on your heart that's turning into a callus? Have the people around you who know about Jesus but have never met him making you a little crazy? Are the things that pass for family get-togethers that sound more like a short truce in the middle of the Civil War playing with your head? It takes absolute effort on my part to not buy humbug the entire season away. Grinch been here, done that, took it all. But I'm taking back what the enemy has stolen. I'm taking back the joy that arises from the wonder that is lavished with gratitude for something I can't possibly deserve. He spoke heaven and earth into existence. Then he came and dwelt among us as Jesus. And in that, in his death and resurrection, he made this possible. <laughs> this is the best part. It's so good, I can't hardly contain myself. Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, it changed everything. But then, 
after his resurrection, he said, got to go. Because I'm sending the comforter. And as we read from the apostles in the New Testament, we come to realize that the Holy Spirit, we get so focused on what, who it is, and the third part of the Godhead, and blah, 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 blah. It's the Spirit of Jesus. So, He's incarnate in us. And that absolutely changes everything. We were just talking about this in, in the ready room earlier. That, that if I can look to you and see Jesus in you, it changes how I feel about you, how I talk to you, what I want for you, how I interact with you, how much grace I can give you. And when I can see the Jesus in me, it will change every decision I make, every act that I perform. It will alter my attitude. It will, it will purify me. It will bring about a sanctification that the sanctification people have never even heard of. Because I recognize that I am a temple in which this very same God who spoke heaven and earth into existence, dwells. I'm not always aware of that. I do stupid things, and I hope he's not with me for a few minutes. But when you say it that way, it really sounds horrible, doesn't it? It's like, I've got a TV show I want to watch here, Lord. Could you just like look over that way for a while? Just, just, I'll be back. Just, what do you mean you have to stay with me because you promised? He didn't say, oh, lo, I am with you when you're good. First of all, I'm never good enough. <laughs> so that's good news. He said always. Always. Lord, restore in me the wonder of what we call Christmas. Lord, replace my heart with the heart of my grandsons and granddaughters. Especially the young ones that haven't heard about presents yet. Lord, give me a face of wonder. It looks like Carrie McCarty signing praise in your name. I want that. I want to be in awe of you. I want to be aware of you. I want to take those moments in which that silent night calms my soul. That silent night brings the peace of God. That silent night fills me with awe and wonder. Once again, 
That's my prayer for me and for you this Christmas. Celebration of the great event. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify or iTunes. If you would like to learn more about New Horizons Christian Fellowship, and if you enjoyed the music, then please visit the links in the description to learn more. Thank you for listening, and remember, the service begins now.